You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 41. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This episode is sponsored by our new free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. I'm talking about the dream job every mom wants. In it, I'll cover the requirements for a flexible job, especially if you're a mom, how to build your six-figure salary trajectory, why tech is great for moms, and why moms are great for tech. Join me this Tuesday for this helpful and fun free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. Sign up at youartechie.com slash three steps. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash the number three S-T-E-P-S. I'll see you there. Today we're talking about gaining confidence to crush your interview. I'm talking about four tools. And like any tool, it only works if you use it. So I really want to encourage you to try these and not just listen to this. It's in the implementation that they will most build your confidence. A lot of people really believe that you are born with confidence or you aren't. You'll hear them say, oh, she's so confident. You know what makes someone confident? Showing up and performing. I know sports were my venue for showing up for myself when I was young. You have to understand though, sometimes I would be successful. Like sometimes we would win and sometimes I would play well. And then sometimes I wouldn't, I wouldn't play well and we would lose or I wouldn't play well and we would win, but I would show up. So in the times when I didn't do well, I still felt better. I still gained more confidence than if I didn't try at all. So the old adage, you win some, you lose some, it's true. But you have to accept that in sports. You aren't going to win every game. And yet, you go into each game with the same intention to play well, to play your best even, and to win every single time regardless of what happened last time. It's one of my favorite things about sports and especially basketball, which has always been my favorite sport. You don't have time to doubt yourself or worry if you're making the right decision or I missed that shot last time. I don't know if I'm going to make it this time. That cannot be going through your head. You're just thinking, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it no matter how many times you miss. When you go on to the court, what you're really doing is performing what you've practiced right here, right now, move forward, no regrets, leave it all on the court. Now, for those of you who didn't play sports or didn't perform on stage in dance, theater, musicals, concerts, that might sound intense, but let me break it down for you. Life is better when you show up and do things. If you find yourself overeating, over gossiping, or hovering over your kids, you are likely not stimulating your mind enough. 
because you are not putting yourself out there. You're not getting into the ring, whatever that ring is for you. So this could be whether you're producing your work and getting feedback, whether it's time for you to interview, whether you're ready to ask for a promotion or a raise. And this can be true if you're staying home with your kids. It can be true if you've been working in the same job for a while and it just isn't serving you the way you need it to. So the first way to gain confidence is to show up for yourself. Now, showing up for yourself, it might sound innocuous enough, but it's hard, really hard. Maybe especially hard for moms. We value showing up for other people over showing up for ourselves. If we show up for ourselves, we might feel selfish or like we're a bad mom. Now, I don't agree with that. If all you ever think about is yourself, okay, maybe you'll change my mind. But putting time on your calendar allocated every day to you is not selfish. That is how you build your dream life. It's also a really important part of how you teach your kids to be patient, to tell them not right now, to help them understand that the universe does not revolve around them. The best way to do this is to allocate different time to your family. You can be more fully present with them if you know these are the hours I'm spending with my family. You can Remove yourself from the thoughts of your work or your progress when you're with your family. And if you do think about work, you can just remind yourself, that's nice, but right now I'm spending family time. Let me be even more specific because this really is a very specific activity. It's not a general idea. I want you to try this exactly as I prescribe it because what can happen is you can think, well, I mostly showed up for myself today, or I kind of showed up, or yeah, it was pretty good. And I want to teach you the technology way to show up for yourself, okay? The computer way to do this. It's zeros and ones. Yes or no. You did or you didn't. That is how you can really be sure that you are showing up for yourself in the way you intend. Here's what you do. You put time on your calendar, your iCal, Google Cal, whatever you use, Outlook. Put that time on your calendar with very specific outcome-driven descriptions in the description of the appointment. Now, when you're learning a new skill, these should be very specific with deliverables for your portfolio. That's true for basically any tech path. Okay, and if you're like, but I'm just new, I'm just learning. I would say it's okay to put learning as an outcome on a few calendar appointments, but you guys tend to do this for way too long. The first week that you are learning something new, you should be producing something for your portfolio. The first week. And if you're thinking, but I have no idea how long that's going to take me. Yes, you do, because you are going to decide ahead of time how long it's going to take you. Now, it's okay that you're going to be wrong. The only way to get better at it is to say, I'm going to give myself one hour to, let's say, produce my persona. And then you're going to find, oh, you know what? I need to do these three things in research to figure out my persona. Then you're going to put those on your calendar. 
But by having these specific outcomes and always working towards them, just like in the game, even if we lose the game before, we still show up with our full intention of winning the next game. We still show up with the full intention to our next calendar appointment to deliver that outcome. And you'll see after not very much time, you will be able to produce a deliverable in a certain amount of time because time actually just expands to what the amount of time that we have. So if we give a task three hours that we could do in 10 minutes, we'll do it in three hours. So I really want you to focus on curtailing the amount of time that you spend on something and producing something, even if it isn't perfect. That's okay because we're going to iterate on it and you can learn how much you can accomplish in a certain amount of time. And I like to say one hour because that's a really easy time frame to work through. So this is true for basically any tech path. You can produce a deliverable. But when it comes to interviewing, it's the same thing. You might have some time dedicated to interviewing, prepping, networking, and then some time dedicated to your portfolio. It just depends on where you are in the process. And I know a lot of my students, they get overwhelmed. They're like, I don't know, I can't do both my portfolio and interviewing. Or if I'm not done with my portfolio, how can I interview? You can absolutely do these in tandem if you are disciplined enough with your calendar and you trust yourself if you have the confidence to know, I'm going to show up for my interviewing components for this hour and I'm going to show up for my portfolio for this hour, okay? And it just depends on where you are in the process, but if you want to interview well, you are going to want to put prep time on your calendar, okay? Now, what should you be doing with prep time? writing down the questions you think they'll ask you, and then writing down the answers. Okay, not saying them verbally, writing them down. This is the biggest mistake I see interviewees make. This goes for moms transitioning back to work or those already in the workforce. You don't write your answers down and you think it's not a big deal that you'll just say them out loud, but the problem is you sound scattered. You don't sound like you have a clear message because you haven't taken time to really write it down and know what your key three points are or exactly how you should tell that story. It meanders. So I want you to take the time to thoroughly write them down and then iterate on them until they're succinct and crisp. So that's what you're going to do. You're going to clearly write them down and then you will practice them later saying them out loud. So can you see how clearly your confidence could be shaken in this process? Like if you don't prepare well, or you go to the interview and you don't perform well, then you could conclude that there is something wrong with you or that you're just, you're not cut out for this stuff, for tech or for working. I want to talk to you about, I'm, I'm a big fan of Denise Schull, and she wrote a book called Market Mind Games. And unless any of you guys are in into finance, or maybe you watch the show Billions, you might not know who Denise Schull is. So Billions is a Showtime show, definitely not recommended for the kids, but there's a character, Wendy Rhodes, and Denise advised on her character. Denise is, and so is Wendy in the show, a coach for traders. And that's financial trading. Because as crazy as this sounds, traders will trade on their feelings instead of market information, but they don't even know they're doing it. How crazy is that? So her job is to basically help them see what mistake they're making 
over and over again. And Denise asks this in her book. What mistake do you continue to make over and over again? Now, before you go into this long diatribe about how reckless you are, I want you to know, I want you to know, we all do this. You're, you're not special in that way. I'm sure you're special in many other ways, but you're not special in that way. You don't beat yourself up and keep making the same mistakes again and again, but everyone else just doesn't do that. Every one of us does it. So you don't need to beat yourself up. You can stop doing that. But what I want you to do is have the courage to ask, what mistake do I keep making over and over again? Okay, now this is really important because you might know a friend or a family member. And if you think about it, you probably know the mistake they make over and over again. I don't recommend that you tell them. It's a much better process, self-discovery, or you gently guide them. But really, it's someone outside of us who can see it so clearly. So if you are brave enough to ask yourself that question, I just want you to know it's okay that you don't change it right away or it takes a while. You should just feel really good about yourself for being brave enough to ask yourself that question, okay? But objectively, if you are not preparing properly by writing down your responses to interview questions, this is one of the main reasons you're going to lack confidence. It's your inner voice telling you that you're not prepared. But that's great information to have because it doesn't say anything about you as a person. There's nothing inherently flawed about you. You just aren't taking the right actions. And you can change your behavior by taking different actions. And then what happens when you take different actions, the result changes. So let me walk you through this because really you can gain confidence. If you're not a confident person, you can actually become confident this week. Now, you have to continue with the new behaviors, but here's what it is. Let's say you're very nervous to go into an interview. You don't think you're going to do well. You're just not good at interviewing. I've heard that a lot. I'm not good at interviewing. If you connect with the right company in the right role, it won't be painful if you take the right action. So if you write down the questions that you think they will ask you, and you write down the way that you would answer it, you're probably not going to write down a great answer the first time. That's okay. You're writing it down. So you can look at it and you can see, you know what, that's not a great answer. I thought I could come up with a better answer. And by the time you write down your second or third answer, you've gotten so much better. So now you're someone who didn't really prepare very well for interviews, and now you know how to prepare. So you take those steps and then you become more confident when you go into the interview. Because when you start getting nervous and you start freaking out, you can say, I've prepared well. I know that I'm ready for this. I've done what I can do. I'm in a good spot. Okay? That is literally how you build your confidence. You take different actions. So if you're thinking, I'm just not confident about interviewing, you can change that by changing your actions. Okay. The next tool that we're going to talk about to gain confidence is to ask 
better questions. Now I'm going to credit Tony Robbins with this because he is where I first learned this concept, but I'm quite certain that he was not the first person to ever say this. So I'm sure that you you may have heard this somewhere else, but I'm going to credit Tony Robbins because I've spent a lot of time, Tony and I have spent a lot of time together. And if you're like, wow, Ellen, how do you know him? I don't know him. I just put him in my ears and I ran listening to Tony Robbins for over two years. And I would listen to his speeches like again and again and again, because that is who I wanted in my ears. And he would say, ask better questions. But the thing is that I don't want you to be flippant about ask better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely asking better questions is a lifelong pursuit. It is absolutely something that you can never perfect, but always improve. And it's worth the effort because your better questions will lead to a better life. And that is true in interviewing. That is true in confidence. And that is just true in general. All right. Let me give you one practical way to ask better questions. We're going to work out that better questions muscle. And then we can talk about what it means in terms of interviewing. This is something that I I really love. It's part of my life. It's part of what what we do. And, and I want to encourage you to try this out. So asking better questions really is about being more specific. Oftentimes our questions are too general. What would be a good job for me? Uh, what are others doing? I see that in Facebook posts. What job do you guys have that you just love? Well, just because someone else loves their job doesn't mean you are going to. What do I like doing? Or even general but degrading. Would I even be able to handle that? Who am I kidding? You know, I'm not even techie, am I? Our questions office find us searching for answers in some outside world from some so-called expert. But you know what I'm going to say. Here's the reality. You are the expert on you. No one else. This is a really hard concept to grasp. So if you're not there, I get it, okay? It took me many years. And old habits die hard. I am still catching myself falling into this habit, right? I love outside validation. Who doesn't? But when it comes to our future, we are the best people to know the answer for us, okay? You know who is terrible at answering questions about our future? People who know us now. So that means family and friends. What? Yes, most of your family and friends are not going to be good at helping you accomplish the new you. It's not because they don't love you. It's not because they don't want good things for you. It's just because they don't know that person and that will always make them unsettled. It will be your job to really teach them that it's okay and that you are going to love them even as you become this special new person. So please don't ask your best friend if you would make a good IT manager if she has only ever known you as a Starbucks barista. She doesn't know that you. Instead, ask yourself, what career would make me excited to get out of bed every day? What career would enable me to be the great mom I absolutely must be and pay a salary I am thrilled to receive? See how much better that question is? It's much better than, should I apply for this customer service job? You have no idea if you haven't asked yourself exactly what you want, whether that 
customer service job is going to be right for you. What are the big questions and how specific can you get on them? If a customer service job says you need to be on site 40 hours and your dream job says I need to work remotely at least 30 hours, you don't even need to go there. You've already defined what you're looking for and that isn't it. Try this. Here's one way to practice this outside of an interview situation, just with your family. Try asking your kids at the dinner table one question that is true to who you are as a person or a family. For example, you might ask, what is one exciting thing you did today? Okay, now I know they might say nothing. See, I, I have a teenager now, so I, I'm getting this. I, I'm, I'm learning. But if you keep asking and you probe when they decline, then you'll begin to set a standard that this is how we behave in this family. We do exciting things. So at our table, what we ask is, whose day did you brighten? So I started off asking that question. But now my kids will ask that because the boys know that they can't talk incessantly about video games and the NFL or the NBA or the MLB or the NHL, which it's great. And yes, my girls like sports too, but my 11-year-old is obsessed with professional sports. And he will talk incessantly only to my husband about the sports. So I'll just give him a look. And then he's usually the first one to say, whose day did you brighten? So in our family, we believe that encouraging our kids to get out there and make a difference in the world through small acts of kindness, that's a family value. So that's why we ask that question. So what's a question that reflects your family values? And I want you to practice that at your dinner table and that will help you interview. Say what? Yeah, yes, it's going to help you interview. Because you know that point in the interview where they ask you if you have any questions? Guess what the wrong answer is? No. Now, every other answer might be good, but some questions that you ask will be better than others. And if you know what your values are and what you care about, those questions will become very easy. You can also go into the mission of the organization, ask a specific question about that and how they're living out that mission. Or you can even ask how the person interviewing is living out that mission. Because if you're drawn to that organization because of their mission, but they don't really live that out, that information is going to be very helpful to you. And if you're asking your kids a specific question, you might want to try out a few, but the ones that you gravitate to, those are the things that are meaningful to you. So you know your mission and that can help you align better to them. So there needs to be an overlap between what you are passionate about, what you care about, and what the organization cares about. So here are some examples. Again, this depends on your values. So just adjust it to what is important to you. These are specific questions you can ask in an interview when they say, do you have any questions? What have you learned new this week in your job? You can ask the person you're interviewing. It can be the recruiter or the hiring manager. Why did you choose this company? And if you had to go back, would you do it again? How about that one? And then what's the most exciting thing about this company, right? If you're asking your kids, what did you do exciting today? And you ask them, what's the most exciting thing about the company? And they're like, uh, nothing or spreadsheets. You're not going to find good alignment. And then here's another one. You say in your mission statement that you're committed to excellence. How do you demonstrate that in day-to-day -day behaviors, right? You can fill that in. I mean, committed to excellence is 
you could just take whatever they say in their mission statement and fill that in. That's a great one to know. What are you doing that actually lives out this mission? And if they're doing that, it should be really easy for them to answer that question. But you'll sound like a rock star for asking that. So those are some good specific questions that confident people would ask. You can see how you can form many more from that lens of values, either their lens or your lens. And don't be afraid to ask multiple people the same question. That's how you're really going to get a feel for the organization and you making sure that the organization is aligned to your values is going to make you enjoy that job more and make you come off as a much more confident person because you know what you're looking for. That's confidence. So I think that one's going to be really effective for you. Go ahead and listen to those questions again and then tweak them to make sense for you. All right. Third, third tool. This one is paradoxical, which all the best things are. Okay, I want you to raise your standards and lower them when you're new. Here's what I mean. When it comes to preparing for an interview, I want you to up your game. Prepare like you've never prepared before. Decide ahead of time that the organization is worth it even before they've earned it and decide that you are worth it. You are worth a company that is amazing and well-prepared and you want to attract that company by being amazing and well-prepared. So make everything like you are an expert, a professional, all up through the execution of the interview, even in the follow-up. Thank you emails are a must. But when it comes to your debrief and analyzing how you did, you're not going to beat yourself up if this is your first interview. Do not expect yourself to be great, even though you prepared and you planned like you were great. Don't expect that interview to be great. If you haven't interviewed in 10 years, you won't be that great. And you know what? That's okay. Forgive yourself for your mistakes, but critically look at how to improve without judgment. So critical meaning objectively, not being critical of yourself. Okay, just what we talked about with Denise Schull, what mistakes did you make? You want to address those so you don't keep making them. But you want to forgive yourself and say, okay, it was my first one. Let's see how we can do better this next time. And that is very key to raising your standards because getting better, it requires more self-kindness that can be so hard for us. And I know that's true. But if you can learn to look at what you've done and say, you know what, this didn't work for me. That did work for me. You will absolutely improve. And that takes us to the fourth and final tool, which is practice. And maybe your last live interview, that was a practice. That's okay. It's okay to decide that a real live interview was just practice in that you may not get that job or you may not even want that job, but that you need to keep going. That is a great decision to make if that's how you feel. It's going to take a few, but also practice at home. Michael Jordan was one of the most hardworking practice players to ever grace the NBA. Natural ability? I don't think so. He had natural ability, but so do so many other players. He had a ridiculous work ethic with that made him better than anyone else. You won't be good without practice. So you can stop beating yourself up over that. Just change that behavior and then set aside time to do it. I bet your kids would love to ask you some interview questions. 
Remember, you've already written the answers down, and now you're going to practice saying it. That's a different thing, writing them down, iterating it on them till they sound good, and then now you're going to say it out loud. Those are two different things, and saying what you wrote takes practice. I want to encourage you to record yourself saying it and then review it or get feedback from a recruiter, a career coach. These are great ways to put yourself a leg up in the practice category. Now, don't worry, you're not gonna love the way you sound on audio. I know, I don't know anyone who does. So don't worry about it if you don't love your voice, but record it and listen to it and let others give you feedback on how you sound. I know that will be scary, but it will be the best way to practice. And that will give you such confidence when you walk in there, you know exactly what to say and exactly how to say it. I hope these four tools are helpful to you. Happy interviewing. I know you're going to crush it. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at uartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.